This episode is sponsored by Sweet Vibrations. Now, I know you guys have heard us talk about them before, but I am absolutely obsessed and I should probably stop being as obsessed as I am with them, but I can't help it. And I know that you won't be able to either. All of these toys are under $50. They're all rechargeable, so you don't have to worry about batteries. And they're fun colors. They look like confetti when you have them in your room. (laughs) So I really hope you guys go and check them out. If you have any birthdays coming up or date nights coming up, or maybe it's a solo night with yourself, this is the greatest companion you can think of. So check them out at sweetvibes.toys. And we have a promo code for you for 15% off. You can go and put in wild love. Big news, you guys. My co-host, the woman that you love so much, as much as I love her, Dr. Wednesday Martin is releasing the paperback of Untrue, and it comes out September 17th. I know you guys have heard me talk about it before, but I am this book for me was life-changing. It was life-altering. I went through the intro and looked over at a friend of mine and said, this is amazing. I finally feel like I'm not alone. I finally feel like people understand me and the science is there to back it up. So make sure you pick up Untrue September 17th. It's a paperback and you're going to definitely want to have this on your bookshelf. As some of you may know, one of the things I do other than the podcast is I'm a love, sex, and relationship coach. I've worked with couples all over the world from all walks of life, whether they're monogamous, recently single, transitioning into open, fully polyamorous, whatever it is, I have worked with them and I would love to be able to work with you. So if you're interested or you have any questions pertaining to really any sort of relationship, you can kind of see me as like a tailor. Come to me and we can completely customize whatever you need specifically for your particular relationship container. I try to make things as safe and comfortable as possible, and I really hope I can support you in the future. So if you're interested, please email me at Whitney, the letter N, L-O-V-E at gmail.com. This is one of my favorite episodes because we got into what is it to be an escort Who are escorts? What are their lives like? We got to talk to a woman that we'll call Vivian. She told us how she got into the life, what it's like, what she likes about it, what she doesn't like about it, what it's like to have a relationship uh, when you're an escort. It's absolutely fascinating. This is one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far because it really gives you a look into sex work. And like I said on the podcast, I've been one of the people who've judged, unfortunately, and added to the stigma of this. And this completely blew everything I thought to be true. And I hope you guys really come into this episode with an open mind and an open heart. Woohoo. So, Whitney, we have somebody so special here today. I am so excited for this. Me too. Gosh, we've done so many episodes this week and it's been amazing. But this one for me has just been like, oh, you've been looking forward to talking to Vivian. I have. Right. Mm -hmm. Vivian is gorgeous, smart, funny, Mm -hmm. normal, and she works as an escort. And I think a lot of people have a lot of dumb ideas about who escorts are. So this is going to be really cool. Yeah, I do too. I think that this is, we were kind of chatting before, and I think this is something that needs to be talked about, and it normalizes it. And you're a normal person. You seem amazing. We're going to eat tacos when you come to Austin. Very excited for tacos. Yeah. Oh my God. Also, the cutest white dress ever. (laughs) One of the things I love about Vivian is her fashion sense. Mm. Also her rock and bod. That helps too. (laughs) This um, whole thing. Yeah, works. this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Vivian, you we, we were talking a little before we started recording, and you said you you use the term escort to describe what you do. Yeah, I'm not super fussy. Some people have like strict rules about what you can call them and can't call them, but it's kind of just semantics for me. Yeah. Right. So, is that so? An escort and a sex worker are the same. Same, same. Um, sex worker is more of an umbrella term. So you like a stripper would be a, or maybe I should say erotic dancer. <laughs> but that would be a sex worker. Um, cam girls are sex workers. Um, doms are sex workers. Um, so that's subs just like the whole. Sex workers. Subs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess you could be a pro sub. Definitely can be a pro sub. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I am specifically an escort. Right. And how long... 
have, I think people might just like to hear your journey and to demystify a little bit. Yeah, I'd kind of talk about how you got into this, what sparked it. And um, what else you do, because I know you have a lot of other interests too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was always in the back of my head because um, my parents were really— (laughs) this is going to be like a weird segue, but um, my parents were really religious when I was growing up, and so we spent a lot of time reading the Bible. And uh, when I was like five or six, uh, there was a story about— the walls of Jericho. And um, I can't, like, the, the details of the story are a little foggy now, but I remember that, like, a harlot uh, shelters the disciples. Yeah. And uh, I, I had to ask my dad to define the word harlot. <laughs> like, what's that? Right. And my dad is just, like, believes in answering questions, and, like, he's very straightforward. So he was just like, oh, it's a woman who sells her body to men for money. <laughs> and my mom's like, Larry. Um, don't tell her the truth (laughs) and I was like so she's a slave (laughs) he's like no she has sex with them and then I don't remember what his answer was but I was like what's sex so my sex talk was actually around harlotry sex work (laughs) how interesting Um, so it was always just kind of like I always found them to be like the most interesting characters in the bible yeah and uh, I remember good point Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember um on Saturdays, which was like the Sabbath, they wouldn't let me do anything except read the Bible. That was like the only thing I could do for fun. Wow. <laughs> what a Saturday. Yeah. It was a long day. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of these like modern Bibles have an index where you can like search keywords. Oh, so I would just spend Saturday like reading all the dirty stories. You were like lit. It's <laughs> <laughs> the most lit Bible. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think that was just, they just like, always kind of fascinated me. And as I got older, I kind of started to wonder if I would be, like, mentally capable of doing it. Um, I think even before I even had sex, it was, like, in my mind. I remember you just—I hadn't thought of this in a long time, but one of my first memories about learning about female sexuality was that my friend's mom— had a copy of The Happy Hooker. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I love her. Yeah, and um, we just were so fascinated, and we sat in my friend's closet, or maybe we sat in her mom's closet, and we read all about The Happy Hooker, and, like, it was such a great reframing for a kid. First of all, I didn't really know what a hooker was. I didn't really know what sex was, but, like, my first exposure to it was this title and this idea of it being... Oh, normal right. and happy. Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's def- that book definitely. Yeah, she's a great she's a great example of someone who just like really loves it and does it because she wants to. When was the first time that you learned that some women worked as escorts or sex? That's what I was I was harlots. trying to think. You know, I'm not really sure. I don't I don't know the first time that I was introduced to that, and it may have been been something as simple as like Pretty Woman, right? Right. You know, which I just saw. Like three days ago, when I was here. Oh, you did. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, uh, the musical, oh, not right, the actual, yeah, yeah. not the movie. Yeah, the musical is like word for word the movie. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's just a little extra cheesy. Like I, I like right. how you know Broadway is very exaggeratory, which makes it awesome. But this was just a little like, a l- maybe just take it down a notch. Maybe <laughs> take it notch. Broadway, it's very over the top. But yeah. I love the way we're talking about how so much storytelling right, yeah. is about women selling sex. Yeah. So much, so many great stories. And the fact that that is illegal blows my mind. Oh, my God. Can we legalize sex work already? What That's do, crazy. T- tell us how long, when you started, exactly how you got into it, and then can we talk about— Please. Yeah. <laughs> the frame? How we— What's the question? Oh, yeah, I just want to know how you got into being an escort. I know that you were interested in it as a kid. Uh-huh. Um, or did you make, like, the big move? Like, all right, I'm doing this. I was living in Belgium, and I was 20, I think, 21. Um, and I actually—I got in—I was a nanny. I was an au pair. And I got into a car accident, and um, the family was, like, asking if I could, like, contribute— to the repairs and so I was like I don't know I'm 21 and I'm like a nanny in a foreign country I don't know how much extra money I can bring in so I was looking on like the equivalent of Craigslist uh, for babysitting work there was like a student job section 
And I did get some extra babysitting work. Uh, but there were also <laughs> like four or five posts by men looking for like a weekly rendezvous, they called it, with a student. Uh-huh. And um, I was like kind of shocked because I'd never come across it in real life. It was just, you know, pretty woman mm-hmm. and the Bible. The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> pretty woman, the Bible, you know. <laughs> and the happy hooker. <laughs> yeah, so this was like, it was suddenly like being offered and it, um and there were, like, two guys, I remember, who were a lot older. And then there was someone who was only, like, 32. And he actually had written his ad in three different languages. So I was wow. like, oh, he seems smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trilingual. Not murdery. Um, <laughs> and I replied to it, and I was like, I have no idea if I even want to do this. I'm just curious. And he was super open and answered a bunch of my questions. And um, he offered to, like— meet for a coffee in a super, like, busy public place. And he was like, if you don't feel comfortable, like, I won't pressure you at all. Um, And I met him, and I did feel comfortable. And so I went through with it. And I had a lot of fun. I was really excited about it, and I left feeling, like, very powerful. What was, like, his kind of background story? Like, kind of single? He traveled? or Yeah, he was single. He was kind of a work, like a self-described workaholic, and he traveled a lot for work too, so he was never in the same place. So he was just having a really hard time, like, finding a steady relationship. It was a pregnant. Having, like, a connection with somebody. Yeah. challenging, yeah. And I think for him, he was really successful, so whenever he met women in his age range, they, like, wanted to, like, settle down pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And he felt guilty kind of, like, leading people on that he was, like, capable of having a— he wanted, like, an efficient solution. Yeah, to- and I think a lot of men have described just feeling like a bad guy for going on dates with women they know they can't, like, oh. settle down with. Right. Oh, yeah, because they're they, kind of like they're manipulating them. Yeah, they feel yeah. like they're, like, if they're if they're really honest, it sounds kind of slimy, like, I just mm-hmm. want sex. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and if they, yeah, if they twist the truth, they feel bad. Yeah, it's a lot of work to deceive a woman and say, oh, no, I really want to be with you when you really just want sex. Sometimes you just really want sex. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of people want companionship and a lot more than that Mm -hmm. as well, but they also just know that they can't can't commit to, like, coming home at 7 o'clock and, like, cooking dinner together and watching Having movies, the agreements like, and the expectations yeah, of they're just like relationship, yeah. Yeah, they, like, they know it's going to end badly, and so they'd rather just, right. you know, call someone when they have three hours. Yeah. So you had this first experience when you were in Europe, and was mm-hmm. was prostitution illegal there, or I don't know the law? Um, I, that's actually a really good question. I think it was legal. <laughs> um. I should know that. Well, it's okay. <laughs> I think at 21, I was like, right. not that concerned you about that. that concerned about you had a car to pay for. <laughs> yeah, I have to pay for that car accident. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was kind of a dick move of the family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. They have insurance. Um, um, but, okay, so, but you enjoyed that. Yeah, so even though it was, even though I stumbled into it because I needed money, I didn't do it because I needed money. I did it because I always wanted to. Yeah. Right. Um, and I actually didn't do it again after that a few years because I just started dating someone and actually we were just hooking up and but we called each other best friends and like we said right. we're just friends we're just yeah friends. Mm-hmm. and so I opened up to him about it. I'm gonna do this it sounds really you know it's really exciting mm-hmm. and I thought he would be excited for me but turns out most people you're sleeping with what don't happened? want you to do he, he just freaked out was not okay with it yeah he was not okay with it um and he was really upset about it for a few weeks but said if I didn't do it again, we could keep seeing each other. I am interested in that and knowing, oh, like, sorry. because when you are hooking up with somebody, usually they get emotionally attached and they don't want you to see anybody else and blah, blah, blah. And so in in your world in dating, how does your work affect that? Um, I think for everyone it's very different. You know, it's hard to, like, throw a blanket over it. Um For a while, I would tell people on the first date because I was like, oh, it's a good filter and mm-hmm. honesty and whatnot. Uh, and <laughs> I just like never went on second date. <laughs> <laughs> because you just can't control. Yeah. It's not that you're ashamed of it. It's that you can't control well, and people's I think, biases. Yeah, and people don't know a lot about it, so they just yeah, like— they just don't get it. Yeah, and— um, So you would tell a guy like, just FYI. Yeah, or like when they asked what I did for work, I'd be like, 
So long story. Right. <laughs> uh, but there I would, was this car accident. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, this story. How of the far Bible. back? <laughs> yeah. How far back should I start this? Um, yeah, and I was complaining to my mom. I was like, oh, I'm never like, or, like I never meet anyone, and like, she's like, you maybe you don't need to tell everyone you meet like what you do. Like, okay, so your parents <laughs> you do know. Your parents, yeah, know. they know. And how do they feel about it? Um, they've come around. Uh, it took a while of getting used to it. They're very religious still. No, they're no longer very. When religious. I left the house, they kind of like slowly wound up. Relaxed that. that. Yeah. So they're not religious at all anymore. Um, my mom just like, I think she's really nervous, like what people think and if they find out, like what her family mm-hmm. will think. And like, I think she thinks it reflects badly on her. Okay. Um, but. I think, you know, I come home and they can tell that I'm, like, living well. I've never had to ask for money or anything. And um, they see that I get to travel a lot and I, like, have a nice life in New York and that I'm, like, stable and I have savings. And um, I think it's just kind of hard to argue with at a certain point. Right. It's lucrative, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. A lot of my friends who, who are escorts um, just say, I was a student or I was doing these other kind of jobs and— mm-hmm. They they say to me many times like I found my other jobs demeaning the pay was so low right. and I get paid really well as an escort so we don't really it's talk like about that. It's like the one that. profession where women get paid more than men. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just closed up that wage gap. <laughs> Boom. I I am interested to know as well. You don't have to tell me how much you make personally, but what is kind of the range? And I'm sure that this varies from person to person and situation to situation. Yeah, it's really. I'm, like, afraid to say anything because I'll get, like, hate mail from people who— <laughs> uh, The range, not it's you. It's so different. I mean, like, there's people who are really struggling, and it's, you know— I, and then there's—I have friends who are millionaires. Um, yeah, right. Solely through sex mm-hmm. work. Uh, so it really just depends. And mm-hmm. you also, I think— the way people base their rate structure is a lot has a lot to do with their schedule and their availability, how often they want to work, how long they want those dates to last. Mm. Um, They're so, called dates. Yeah. <laughs> Just FYI for people out there listening, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, so it's really hard to speak for, like, the industry. Right. But There's such a variation. Right. And it's, you know, geography plays a big role. Um, New York is the most expensive market in the world. As far as I know. Good good that you're working here. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people in places where it's legal have a lot harder time charging high rates. Because the the prices are more regulated in places where uh, it's legal. It's not that it's regulated. I think it's just maybe the market is flooded. Right. There's a lot more I see. people willing to do it. It's legal. Okay, so here it's kind of there's a scarcity because it's illegal. Yeah, I think I think that's a big factor. Um, but even in Canada, the rates are a lot lower than in the U.S. There is it legal there? I think it's decriminalized. It's decriminalized. Oh, okay, I should know that. Like in London, I think it's decriminalized. In London, we'll put all this in in the. Um, Links it, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a really— we'll have some fun great, facts for people. Yeah. There's a really great TED Talk about um, sex work laws all over the world uh, by Juno Mac. Uh, right. I think it's called The Laws That Sex Workers Want. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but that's really informative. That sounds really good. So would you want this to be legalized? Uh, yeah. I Well, definitely decriminalized. Um what do you think, like, the ups and downs would be if it was? Oh, this is a tough question. The benefits of decriminal. And to be clear, I just want to be clear for some people who are listening. We're talking now about women and men doing sex work um, who have not been trafficked, who are right. doing it willingly, um, who, you know, are yeah. enthusiastic or, you know, willing participants in this. And, and I always like to say, because it gets so— um, it gets so heated sometimes, and people forget that it is possible to say, I'm really concerned about and care about the rights of people who are trafficked and who mm-hmm. are doing this against their wills. And I really support and appreciate 
the people who are doing this because they want to be doing it. Right. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm 100% for supporting them the ways they need to be supported and appreciate them. Yeah. So both things, both positions are possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it would, I mean, it would provide a lot more resources for people who need that or maybe breaking into the industry and aren't as well informed. There's so much um, uncertainty when you start. You're like, you look at Reddit or I don't know, you're, there's, unless you have a friend who kind of like guides you into the industry, you're, it's a, there's a lot of a guessing game and trial and error and that error can be pretty dangerous. Pretty mm-hmm. dangerous. How did you, did you have a guide? Did you have somebody, a, a woman um, or a man who helped not initially. you into it? You were kind of figuring it out on your own when you came here from yeah. Europe and decided to do this here. Yeah. When I started in the U.S., like several years later, um, I had to do a lot of digging around and reading. And I worked with an agency at first, um, and that made me feel a little bit more confident. Um, I didn't even realize that they had agencies. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So then, so then they have girls and like men and women under the agency, and they connect you with. Um, I think most agencies that I'm familiar with are either men or women. Okay. I've never come across an agency that had both, but it's possible. Um, Maybe international escorts. No, is that just women? I don't know. That was a while ago. Yeah, I'm not, I don't actually even know anyone anymore who works with any agencies, but it's like. It's totally changed, right? Yeah, it's, it's so, because now there's Squarespace and Wix and it's like pretty easy to build your own business online. Mm-hmm. And you guys almost all have a digital presence, right? A website. Uh, yeah, exactly. But at the time, would, there were agencies. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So, like, if you've never done any escorting, um, I think starting with an agency is kind of helpful just because the screening is done professionally for you and you can't mess it up yourself. Right. So, you went to an agency mm-hmm. and go on. Um, so, I worked with an agency pretty briefly, like a few months while I had a full-time job, um, just kind of like moonlighting. Right. And um, then once I felt like I kind of understood the rules and kind of how screening worked, uh, I don't remember how I came across. I don't know. I just did a lot of Googling and I like finally discovered that you could be independent. Um, And I found a website called The Erotic Review uh, which is kind of like Yelp for escorts. Mm. Um, it's actually blocked in the U.S. now. Is it really? Yeah, you can still access it if you have like a VPN um, to hide okay. your IP address. Right. But um, yeah, it's, so it's like, you know, reviews of escorts, but there's also forums where you can interact with people. And so I ended up uh, con- like um, finding a friend through there. We met up for drinks one night and she kind of like, wrote on a post-it note some of, like, the steps that I needed to become, mm-hmm. like, fully independent. Right. Um, so she was super helpful. She was your escort shaman. <laughs> yeah. She took you through the process. Yeah. And I would think, like, social media plays a big role into it. Oh, as yeah. As well, right? Like, Instagram and... Yeah, I think a lot of girls kind of have, like, almost an influencer status. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that you document your travels and, like, where you're eating and da-da-da-da. Right. And you have followings and, right? Yeah. I mean, it's very, like, insular, like, yeah. <laughs> in the world. Um, but, yeah, I think it helps, especially if you are um, marketing yourself as a travel companion or someone who's available for, like, extended dates. Um, it kind of helps paint a picture of, like, your personality and, like, mm-hmm. you're a full person. <laughs> right. Not just someone who, like, lives in a hotel room. <laughs> and I'm just here whenever you want. Right. 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 Yeah. So it's great. You know, you show your travels and what you're interested in. And it's great because then it kind of matches you with people who have similar interests. And right. yeah, I think it's great. So what? Uh, this is just a funny specific question, but like what makes, what do you call clients? Are they called clients? And what makes a client, what is it that you and your peers are like, I definitely don't want to be with a client like that. <laughs> I mean, other than the obvious things like violent or yeah. sadistic, yeah. like or emotionally messed up. Some people like sadistic. Some people like <laughs> um, 
things we definitely don't want. Um, I think just like the same things you wouldn't want in a date from an OkCupid or Tinder. You know, you. I don't like arrogant guys. I don't like rude people. Um, you know, bad hygiene is. Yeah, just because this undesirable. is like an, like a business exchange, it doesn't mean. Yeah. That. I mean, there there is like certain criteria that's it's nice when people follow because it, you know it makes you feel safe. Um, but yeah, kind of the same things you would rule out from a dating website. One dominatrix, the reason I asked is I asked a dominatrix and she said, oh, we all love the guys who are into foot worship. <laughs> and I said, why? And she said, it's just so easy and they're so nice. Like They probably give you the best foot rubs. The, the personality. Yeah. She told me that the personalities of the foot fetishists were like, that they were really sweet guys. <laughs> really? So it was, yeah. Funny. Who knew? Um, so you, you screen people yourself. You learn to screen people yourself. And then... You're, you said that it's an insular world. Can you describe that a little? Do you mean you and the other escorts um, help each other screen or you all know each other or? Um, yeah, both of those things are true. Um, there's a really, I think social media has made it possible to connect with other girls and um, make friends. And that's really nice because you, there's a lot of solidarity, um, you know, when I have some friends where when one of us wants to raise our rates, we text the other five people or however many, and we say, like, should we all do this at the same time? Right. Um, it's like a union. Right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> is uh, there competition, though, too? Or no? Um, I mean, some people are naturally competitive. I'm not. Yeah. Um, and I think that, especially in a market like New York, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've never... Yeah, I've never had an issue with anyone. Um, I think it's a really supportive community, actually. Um, it's pretty rare that people get into spats, as far as I know. Um, and we do uh, we do help each other screen with references. So um, some people will only see a client who has references. Um, and what do you mean references? By other people in the industry? Right. Girl? So when a, when a client wants to see you, he'll send an email or she... Um, and they'll say, these are my two references. So, um, I'm going to make up a name, Alex James and Sarah Parker. Um, they sound like a fun couple. <laughs> they do. And, Get it, Sarah. And I'll contact them <laughs> and just say like, is he a good guy? Would you see him again? And they'll get back to me, uh, kind of with their thoughts. Oh, see, I like that. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. It would be great if like, like real life dating had... References. Right. Alex. No kidding. Right. <laughs> I'm not having coffee with this guy because somebody told me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we kind of do it with goss, right? Like mm-hmm. that we're yeah. looking out for each other and screening that way. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you said that usually it's men. Do you see men and women? How much of the time do you see couples? How much are you seeing just women? How I've actually never seen a men? woman one on one. I have friends who who do. Um, I see couples pretty regularly. Um, and yeah, for the couples, are they interested in just spicing things up? Or is this something they do on the regular? Is this brand new to them? It totally depends. There's kind of all ranges. Mm-hmm. I prefer if they've been doing it a while. Okay. And it's something that they're like fully comfortable with. Um, I usually have a call with the with the woman before the date at some point just to like Make sure it's not something he's kind of pushing her into. Yeah. I think that's great, too. Yeah. It makes total sense. You I had never one, know, right? <laughs> yeah, no. I had one phone call where, like, I got on the phone and I was like, hey, I just want to check in with you. Like, see if there's any boundaries or, like, you know, ground rules or kind of what, what the vibe is. And she, like, she, you could just hear the tension in her voice. She was like, uh-huh. well, I don't really know how this is going to go. Like, I don't think it's going to go that way. Like, she just clearly, like, really didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Super uncomfortable with it. She's like, we can give it a try. And I was like, okay. Like, I don't want to be in the room with you if you don't want to be in the room with me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, in that vulnerable of a place, right? Where the, ha- where the emotions are already going to be heightened. Yeah, definitely. If they're and not doing it as much. Intimate and, like, with someone who's, like, stressed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and if it's his idea— for her to be there. Right. And, then, and off, like it, it's happened where like the guy's like, we're both so excited. Da, 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 and then I talk to her and it's like, oh, she doesn't sound that excited. Yeah. And <laughs> we can pick up, like women can pick up on that yeah. so quick. Yeah. Yeah. Men, don't think you can just pretend like, 
oh, yeah, 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 it's going to be great, babe. It's going to be great. Don't worry about it. And you're over there not feeling it. We can all feel it. Yeah. Wait for us to get with you. <laughs> or just suggest a guy if we're straight, maybe. Instead yeah, that's of, a good idea. Or, or two people. Yeah. Right? Or something. Or a couple, like another couple. Yeah. Like, sometimes, like, smooth mm-hmm. that over. Right. Just make it right for her, too, I guess. Because yeah. then it's better all around. How often are you working? Like, every day? Um, it really depends. Uh, I feel like January was really slow. Um, yeah, it, it, like, fluctuates. Um, tax season slows down. <laughs> really? Oh, right. People are like, got to pay those taxes. Hey, they're stressed out. Yeah, exactly. Um, have fun with Vivian this month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely notice it. Um, summer slows down a little bit, but also, like, other girls leave. So I think if you stay in the city, you could probably collect some new people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could clean up. Um, yeah, it totally depends. Um, and it also changes. Like, at certain points, I'm like, oh, I'm doing, like, mostly dinner dates right now, which are, like, four hours. And then I'll have another period where it's like, oh, Sorry, does a do dinner ma- date literally mean, like, somebody— Because I know that some women tell me that some people hire them for companionship. Really, right. Literally for companionship as much as for sex. So when you say dinner date, does that usually mean dinner and sex? Or do some people actually hire you, like, I just want to take somebody out to dinner and talk to her? Yeah, I mean, all of the above. Um, I think— it's more common to have, like, 50-50. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I know people who have completely platonic relationships with clients that are ongoing. Um, I have a client right now that I just play tennis with. Wow, cool. Um, I mean, we like, some days we, you know. <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> some amazing. Days but like, some I've days always wanted tennis. to learn tennis. <laughs> yeah, no, he'll just be like, like, once a week or so, we'll like, just play tennis. Um, and does he pay you for that, or is that like a friendship thing, or do you have to be really careful? And your time is your time, and you're playing tennis. Um, yeah, in that in that situation, my time is my time. Yeah. Um, is there ever a point to where, like, maybe your current clients or past clients have they developed emotions or feelings? Uh, yeah, that definitely. And then, so how do you navigate that? Um, yeah, it's really tricky. Uh, I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing, I think. So I definitely have developed feelings for people and, you know, strong friendships and bonds. Um, I think it would be kind of difficult for me to, like, take someone out of one box and put them in another. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've definitely, like, I've cried when I stopped seeing someone. Like, you know, you get to know people really well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, and I mean, I know girls who, like, went on to date certain clients. Really? Um, yeah, so that happens. So interesting. It is. I feel like I would catch feelings. Would you catch feelings? I think so. Yeah, probably I would too. I don't know though. I can be, be like, love me. I can be pretty. I can be pretty ruthless in, in it for just the sex. Though. So I don't know. I don't know, I don't know either. There's no predicting. I could just be cold. <laughs> like, Thank thanks. you. Goodbye, Joe. <laughs> well, but, you know, I. This is. Um, Leading us into something that Whitney and I were talking about that we were interested in. And you brought this up that you used to tell people that you dated what you did and then you stopped. Can you talk a little bit about, and then you said you're good at compartmentalizing. Can you talk about how you or women you know, if you don't want to talk about yourself, have found that balance between dating somebody and having sex with somebody that you love and it's for the relationship and Mm -hmm. then doing sex professionally how does that work um okay there's a lot in there there's a lot i'm sorry it was a <laughs> no 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 question. i'm just thinking like where to start um yeah i mean i learned the hard way that it's really important to tell someone pretty early on like first date turned out to be the wrong way <laughs> uh but within like i would say by the third date they need to know um, at least in my experience. Um, I could see that. Even when it, I'm in an open relationship, and so people always ask me, right. when do you tell the other person when you're in, an, in that you're in an open relationship? Yeah. Is it date one? Is it date mm. three? Whatever it is. And for me, it's like as transparent as possible. 
Um, and so it's either like first date, second date, third date, and f- trying to figure out what that sweet spot yeah, exactly. is. Because you don't want them to feel like, holy shit, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Right. Know? And then it was like you were you pulling to- a veil over their eyes the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you need to tell them before it would like be heartbreaking. You know, like mm-hmm. when, when you tell them, they have to be able to walk away from it and be like, oh, okay, like that's not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, without mm-hmm. it being like mm-hmm. they've already— have you had experiences where a lot of men have walked away and just said, forget it? or had, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, when I told people on the first date, it never worked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so now it's like third date-ish. Yeah, I would say, yeah, third date seems good. I think whenever you get a sense that, like, they have a feel for your personality and they know who you are, mm-hmm. um, because what I'm basically trying to avoid is someone hearing what I do for work and then assuming that they know all about me based on mm-hmm. whatever they think about sex work right you know right um, be because then it's like they already know me and then they just have to decide whether or not they could deal with that kind of relationship the same way someone would decide whether mm-hmm. they're willing to deal with an open relationship totally so yeah that's but everyone has their like, i feel like with all of these questions i need to add like an asterisk that, like, yeah that's just me. different that's just you but that's what we want to talk to we want mm-hmm. to know what it's like for you and then what about so Maybe this is just my own naive mind. So if you're out on a date and it's dinner and sex, and then you come home and you're dating somebody and they want to have sex, but maybe you're tired. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell I mean, us. <laughs> I think that varies. Sometimes you are. Sometimes you're not. Uh-huh. Can that ever cause like a rift? I think you would have to be dating someone really patient uh, okay. who would be very understanding of that scenario and like not push that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think I would want to date someone who would like push sex on me if I didn't feel like it. Yeah, right. No, in general. In general, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And for you personally, is sex with the client really different from sex with a partner? Like, how does that work for you? Um, Only in the sense that it's like, maybe you don't know them as well. Yeah. Um, But I think it's, at least for me, uh, I guess the only thing is that if you're not enjoying yourself, you might like, continue to try a little harder. Whereas, like, if I wasn't enjoying myself on a civvy date, I'd just be like, I'm leaving now. Did you just <laughs> say a civvy date? Oh, yeah. We just learned a really good new book. <laughs> a civvy date. Listeners, listen up. <laughs> you just got some lingo. Yeah, like an unpaid date. A civilian date a is civilian called a civvy ah. date. Okay, got it. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I'm I keeping that too. in my back pocket. <laughs> just, that might come in. So here's handy. another thing. Now, we've talked a lot about open relationships and obviously novelty and variety and how that can really keep you and your long-term partner together. So do you—you basically get that in your work. You get the novelty and the variety. Plus, you can, if you decide to be in a long-term relationship with somebody, you have that as well. So do you think there's a correlation there? Do you think it's the same? That if you're able to, you know, explore with other people, it can— actually give you more longevity in your primary partner? Yeah, I definitely think that if you're someone who needs variety and needs like that adrenaline rush of meeting someone new, this is a good way to like keep that in your life. And because of the internet, I mean, I guess you probably always, even when you worked for an agency, you could say no, right? You could say, I'm not into this guy. Okay, so like as somebody who's been married for 19 years, I'm like, oh, wait a second. (laughs) Let's see, you would get to be in the relationship, but you would get to, like, pick another guy or couple to do this stuff with yeah. and get paid for it. Wait, this sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's me. Good it's me. Yeah, I think— I know. I'm doing it over here for free. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what Xavier Hollander talks about in her—in yes. The Happy Hooker, is that she was just, like, pretty free-spirited and slutty, and she really—like, I think someone just— paid her one time and she was like offended at first and then she was like I should get paid every time this is a good gig um right yeah so yeah it's great yeah I mean (laughs) it's so fascinating to me right we stigmatize it so much but it's sex and many women are already I mean you know women looking for a sugar daddy um women who like like a really nice gift it's Mm -hmm. like some feminists would argue there's just like that um, it's a spectrum, right? Right. Yeah, that, it's definitely a spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I've been a, a part of that. I, I'm guilty of helping stigmatize this. 
you know? Um, and even when it comes to exotic dancers, years ago, it was like, and one, now one of my really close friends is used to be an exotic dancer. And to me, it's not a big deal at all. Right. You know? But you used Whereas to think, before, Ooh. like, oh, it's a stripper. You can't hang out with a stripper. Right. You know? Or I hate, like, in Hollywood how, like, the stripper or the hooker is, like, the butt of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, in the, like, in The Hangover, it's, like, so shocking that he would, like, <laughs> even consider a hooker. Like, right. She's this super sweet, like, down-to-earth. So what are some things that we can do to normalize this, destigmatize it, and just make it a bigger conversation? That's a good question. Um, I'm in my own way trying to just like be like I find that by being open with people and they letting people get to know me and then being open about my work, I think it's just experience. It's the same for like people in the Midwest who've, like, never had a gay friend or, like, never encountered a gay person, it's a lot easier for them to, like, you know, express negative feelings about it. But once you encounter someone and, like, they're a real person to you, yeah, it's uh, it's harder to, like... Right. It's harder for somebody who's actually sitting there talking to you, mm-hmm. listening to you. Getting to know you. Like, you're you. a, a person, a beautiful yeah. person with an awesome personality, you know? <laughs> like, outside of that, it's... What's the big deal? Yeah. And I have to say, there's something about being in New York. Like, when I first moved here in the late 80s and early 90s, lots of young women were just finding their way into sex work, different aspects of it, because it paid really well. And you could keep your own hours as an artist, right? You Mm -hmm. could have your day job or your yeah, whatever you can. There's have actually a lot of academics who do it because the schedule works for them. Like when they're working on their PhD, hmm. right? Um, yeah. Rather than having to like wait tables and stay up all night, or yeah, that's how it got destigmatized for me. I was just in an environment where, increase like several women that I knew were doing it, and they were smart, funny, friendly, mm-hmm. and so all that all that profiling right fell away. I I think there is still this tendency um, among—this really saddens me when, like, among psychologists, I feel like there's this real tendency to pathologize right. women and men who do sex work. I really wish—like, we talk about how some therapists really pathologize people in open relationships. I feel like right. sex workers get pathologized, not just in Hollywood, like you said, or by— people on the street who, right. if they found out, would reveal that they're really biased. But I yeah, it's really that, sad when professionals pathologize, yeah. you know, who should know better. Right. Shrinks, therapists, relationship coaches. Yeah, it's hard I, to find a good therapist when you're a sex worker. Is it? Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's knowing that you're going to have to come out to your therapist because— there's no point in doing therapy if you can't be honest about your Think work about and your that. relationships. And for a lot of people who are, especially, you know, girls who are private and maybe their families don't know, and um, it's a really big deal to tell someone, especially, you know, in that setting where you're already vulnerable. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It's you, go, it, you have to go through a few sessions to, like, really feel whether someone is kind of biased against your work or not. Um, Mm. And if that's, like, coloring their advice. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know. But did you manage to—do you—did you manage to find somebody who Um, could listen without bias, or is that just really—was that really hard? I haven't found anyone yet who works for my personality type. Um. I did see a therapist who works with quite a few sex workers. Um, So I think on paper she's fine with it. But I do feel like she's constantly, like, mentioning other options. (laughs) Okay, okay. She never says anything directly negative. But I used to go to a psychoanalyst, and he was Candida Royale and Annie Sprinkles analyst, too. Oh, wow, that's cool. I felt so cool. (laughs) (laughs) He also maybe not coincidentally treated a lot of gay men, and it was a time when there was still a lot of stigma about mm-hmm. homosexuality. So um, I hope we have more therapists out there who get real about yeah, uh, working with women having the lives that we're actually having. Yeah, and it's like 
you guys are doing this because you want to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're being coerced into it. That's sex right. trafficking. You know, you, you are doing it because it makes you feel good. You said after the first time you felt really empowered by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just realizing like we need to wrap our heads around the fact that people are choosing to do this work. Right. Absolutely. And that doesn't make that doesn't it wrong. You're like damaged or like filling a void or. <laughs> My God. And you know, it, it's funny because I think you and I have talked about this before that not long ago, um, some actresses came out and said that they thought that all sex work, right, even yeah. women who were choosing to do it and enjoying it and, you know, as a revenue stream for themselves and mm-hmm. were choosing it as work, some actresses came out who are also activists and said that they thought that all prostitution was oppressing women. Yeah, And I loved the way... Um, women on Twitter, whether they were sex workers or feminists, came out and said, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Were you part of that? Or did you have thoughts about that? Yeah, there was definitely a big backlash. And I was really proud of the community for, you know, writing some really articulate responses. Um, I think Rashida Jones is, like, very outspoken about being anti-sex work. Um, Mm -hmm. She even, like, made a documentary uh, was it Ashley Judd as well? Was Ashley it- Judd, I think, I don't know if she said all sex work was bad, but she. I think she said she didn't really think that women could, I think the position, I'm not sure if I'm mentioning was. exactly the right actresses and activists, but I think the position was, oh, you think you're choosing sex work, but really right. it's a form of oppression. And then. Right? That sex workers are saying, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And no one wants to be told what they're thinking. Right. Or like a blanket statement. Like everyone feels this way. Every single person. Obviously. Or you think that you're doing sex work because you want to, but really it's patriarchy and um, you don't really want to be doing it. That would be like me saying every actress gets into acting because she needs attention. You know, yeah. That's like, yeah, maybe something. Or do, maybe they just like to act. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, you know. But that was one of the first times that I saw how your community has a presence on Twitter and like yeah, it's huge. I started following a lot of sex workers and escorts then mm-hmm. um because it was like this really interesting yeah. moment of them speaking out. Yeah, definitely. There's, yeah, a lot of, like, sex work activists on Twitter. So my um, fiancé, Aubrey Marcus, we he, in college, he was on in a debate class or something, and he asked anybody in the classroom to come debate him as to why prostitution should not be legal because he believes that it should be legal. And he oh, goes, wow. anybody. <laughs> I don't care who it is. And he's, like, this big personality. That's just how he is. I mean, you know him. Yes. And he just waited for anyone to come up. And he's like, I just crushed them all. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I wish there was video of that because I would love to watch it. I would love to watch that. I'd love to hear any and all debates. I would just love for there to be a civil conversation in this country about decriminalizing sex work. Wouldn't yeah, that be I mean, amazing? It's crazy to me that like we can wreck our bodies with alcohol and you know, you can't. Share companionship. It's such a fundamental thing. Oh, sorry. Buy companionship. Yeah, buy it. I mean, you the elderly, buy everything else. The elderly have, you know, caretakers who are also companions to them. Right. Um, but it's, And there are, there are um, sex surrogates. That's legal. Yeah, that's legal, being a sex surrogate. Mm-hmm. If people don't know so what that is. Basically, you need, like, yeah. a prescription. Yeah, it's like you need a prescription for this to be okay. But a sex surrogate is somebody who has sex with people to— help them understand how to have sex. Mm-hmm. And um, that's illegal. Right. I also feel like sex, work, sex workers, that would be an awesome role for them to play, too. And a lot do. I would assume, yeah. Yeah, I have a friend who vacations with someone who's paraplegic. And, yeah, she had to, like, learn how to help him. But she's, you know, part caretaker, part companion. Interesting. Um what a weird thing to try to take away from women. Like, your sexuality is your own, but you can't You can't say to somebody, yeah, I'm going to share this with you. This is how much it's going to cost. Can you imagine getting up in there and intervening? 
It's sort of like telling women that they should have a baby or not, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's my moment. Get it, Wednesday. Get it. Well, I think this is just such a fascinating conversation. And like I mentioned earlier, I feel like I have been, unfortunately, on the other side of this and has have judged for just misinformation and mm-hmm. just going along with what society basically planted in my head. Right. And so I just urge everyone that's listening to just come to this conversation with an open mind, open heart, find out more about it, and let's just— Yeah. I mean, I just—I think a lot of people— it's so shrouded in mystery and like people just assume that it must be this like horrible icky scenario but it's like these people for example they'll follow me on twitter they'll see what they've written about myself they'll look at my interests and they're really sweet guys they'll like come over with a bottle of my favorite champagne that they like read four weeks ago mm-hmm. that i enjoyed at a restaurant uh, you know and they right. they like found it at a specialty shop and they bring it over and like we sit and we have a couple glasses of wine together and we get to know each other and we talk about travel and um, what we're reading and they'll often bring me like whatever they're reading because they want me to read it too and you know it's it's a really nice couple of hours and it's not you know someone forcing you to do something against your will I'm glad you're telling people this yeah you know? no and it's, but, and I hope they can hear it yeah I mean I'm actually like I have friends who have stopped civilian dating because they're like I'm just treated so much better at work Ooh, it's wow. like when people in the kink and community the, say, I'd rather have my daughter go to a kink party than a frat party. Because right. Because she would be treated Oh, my God. I could absolutely see that. What a huge point. Yeah, because, yeah. like, on a, the date you're describing that's for money, it's like, you better behave. Yeah. <laughs> and, I better behave. We're the woman. Yeah, you'll get a bad reference. <laughs> you don't want to yeah. be banned. Um, whereas there's no there are no references in real life and people can just be shitty all the time and it doesn't come back to them right we need to restructure my mind is so blown right now I know I have like you know that emoji with stars in my eyes I'm just like (laughs) wow I told you that we'd love talking to Vivian today is there a way that people who are interested can follow you or um, be in touch with you Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, both handles are Vivian Cole NYC, and it's V-I-V- right now. I E N N. You're gonna love her Instagram. <laughs> lots of food. Lots of food. Yeah, and lots of great, like, very like. I thought you were a photographer. Um, I have a background. In- yeah. Okay. So. Oh my God, you babe! <laughs> <laughs> you guys, go follow her. You guys follow Vivian Cole. And open your These mind. Are great photos too. I thought, yeah, it looks like you are a photographer. Yeah, it's okay. a beautiful, isn't it? A great Instagram feed. It's a great Instagram. <laughs> and I just so love that you're talking about this. I totally encourage you to keep going and keep talking about this and normalizing it as much as you possibly can. Thanks, Vivian. We're so yeah, lucky you. that you came here to talk to us today. Yeah, Thanks really for fun. everything cool. that you shared with us. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay.